0: Hi, good evening. Um, As that fabulous introduction suggests, um, I am by day, as Banana Man might say, um, a food writer. I've been writing The Guardian's How to Make the Perfect column for 10 years, which means that I've been testing thousands, no exaggeration, recipes for stuff like treacle tart and suet pudding, and um, deep-fried vegetables and all sorts of lovely, very, very unhealthy things. Um, And yet, somehow, I find myself standing up here this evening um, talking to you about a book in which I cycle 2,334, let's be exact about this, kilometres around France. Um, And let me tell you, that's as much of a surprise to me as it might be to you. Um, Obviously, France isn't untrodden ground for the food writer Um, my aim was to do a tour de France but um, instead of basing it around mountains or other landmarks um, I decided to base it around 21 different fruits of France that I really loved Um, and you know lots of people have been there before me you've got uh, Keith Floyd you've got Rick Stein there at the moment doing his new TV show Uh, James Martin did one a couple of years ago the problem is that um, I think Keith Floyd did one. his in a two CV. Uh, Rick's currently driving around in a Porsche, and James Martin did one in Keith Floyd's two CV. So none of them did it under their own steam except me. Um, and I once looked up a few years ago. Um, In an idle moment, just randomly, Um, what's the best way to get quicker at going up hills? And the truth, apparently, the brutal truth, was to lose weight. Basically, there is no better way to get faster than to have less of you going up that hill. So, the two things, the two sort of parts of my life don't appear to be entirely compatible. So, why did I do it? I'm not a cyclist, as I said. I'm a journalist. The two have very little in common, apart from the "ist" bit. I'm not even the kind of journalist who, like, say, John over there spends a lot of time chasing politicians with a microphone. I spend a lot of time either at the hob or behind a laptop. So it's quite a sedentary occupation. Um, And I have always owned a bike, um, but up until about five or six years ago, it was very much for the purpose of going from A to B. Uh, and nothing further and you know sometimes you have fun on a bike you know maybe if you've had a half a very small glass of wine and then you cycle down Primrose Hill or something it is quite fun but that was that was the limit of it um, I mean a half glass of wine was definitely the limit of it I would never cycle after any more than that um, so then I had a f- f- sort I'd been quite recently dumped, and I was at that stage of having been dumped where I was in the mood to do something a bit stupid to sort of show, you know, I tell you, I'll show you, I can do things that will surprise you, and so that's quite a dangerous place emotionally, and a friend of mine said, oh, we're cycling from uh, London to Brussels, do you fancy it? And I was like, no, obviously, that's a stupid idea, there's a train, don't you know, that goes from London to Brussels... And then I thought about it, and I was just like, why not? You're not doing anything else with your sad life. So I bought a bike, um, a proper bike, not a bike that weighed 13 kilos without my waitress shopping and my dog in it. I bought a proper bike. And to my surprise, I actually really enjoyed the trip. And most of what I enjoyed about it, I have to admit, was the opportunity to eat Because there's nothing so great as eating when you feel like you've worked up an appetite. And although we did believe that it was quite flat, you know, the Low Countries are called the Low Countries for a reason. Actually, there are some small hills in the Low Countries, I'd like to say. And the first afternoon, we went up something called the Mont de Watten. Um, Sorry, my Flemish accent isn't excellent, so um, do feel free to correct me. But then we stopped at a boulangerie and we had some cream cakes and we just ate them sitting on the boulangerie steps, sort of cramming them into our mouths, which completely, I'm sure we'd only burnt off about 10 calories. But it was just so joyous and I thought, oh, this is good. You know, you could eat as many more fruits as you liked and you sort of felt like it was justified. Um, So there was that. I also realised on that and subsequent trips, because um, after that I did a few others, the great thing about cycling is that it's, for me, the perfect way to see a landscape in a place because it's... When you're in a car, you're sort of whizzing through the landscape. It's too fast to really notice anything. You can't, you know, you see something and then it's gone. You can't point it out to the driver because they'll crash. Um, whereas on a bike, you can see these things. You can stop. You can go across a field, if you like, to have a closer look. But you can also, because you're going at a little bit of a pace, you can see and feel the landscape show, you know, changing beneath you. So... You know, you don't have to look up to see you're in the foothills of the Pyrenees because the road is telling you that you are definitely near some mountains. Um, When I did a trip a couple of years later from uh, Brittany down to the Mediterranean, uh, which is another spur at the moment, uh, slightly crazed decision... There was a point where suddenly the butter on the table was replaced by olive oil or nothing because which kind of barbarian would want anything with their bread at all. And there was, you know, people stopped drinking cider, started drinking wine. The roofs started moving from slate to hit terracotta. And it was just thrilling to see that changing from day to day. And I started to think, I'm really enjoying this. I really wonder whether I can find a way to call cool this work. So, you have a lot of time to think when you're on a bike. That's another good thing about it. Um, so, when I got back, I said to my agent, um, what do you think? You know, might people be interested? I love France. I love French food. I've got a real nostalgic connection to French food. It was the first foreign food that I ever ate. It still means a lot to me. Would you have any interest in a sort of cycle odyssey around France? And to be honest, I thought that she would laugh in my face. Uh, but she didn't, very kindly. She was interested. She said, yeah, I think... I" would like to read you writing more about things that aren't just recipes. And to my slight surprise, some publishers were also, you know, mildly interested. Not all of them, I have to say. Some people said, this is mad. You've done five cookbooks. Why are you pitching me a travel book? Because the other problem, of course, is that I'm not a travel writer. I write recipes, and that's quite a different skill. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Bill Bryson write a recipe, although he might have done. So, um, So... People said to me, including some people that I really respect in the industry, they said, why would you do this at this point in your career? Things seem to be going okay. Why are you taking this abrupt left turn? And I said in the manner of a no-fear T-shirt from the 1990s, why not? I thought, the thing is that the worst thing that could happen is that I have a really great trip. The best thing that could happen is that I have a really great trip and I get a book that sells you know, a copy to my mum and a copy to you know, the dog's home or something. So I decided to do it. Um, as I quickly found out, and I'm sure Bill Bryson could have told me, work and holidays are quite different beasts. Um, there were definite upsides to the trip, um, and when people ask me, did you have fun, I hesitate, because there were bits that were fun. For example, um, I was cycling through the vineyards of Burgundy with a group of friends in the sun, and we stopped at a vineyard, and we ate both bourguignon, and it's delicious, um, or the St. John Winery, the London restaurant of the same name, they have a winery down in the Long Dock. I somehow wangled an invitation. I gatecrashed, basically, their summer party down there. And that was amazing. Of course it was amazing. You know, I ended up with my uh, editor, who was also there, uh, dressed in some ladies, uh, he's a six-foot-four bloke, dressed in this got a sort of skin-tight gold jacket. And that was just, you know, that, that's amusing to see. But... There was also some significant downsides to it. For a start, while everyone here was baking in a heat wave last summer, France was suffering under floods of proportions that will be familiar to anyone that's watched the news here over the past few weeks. It was just, I would sit in cafes drinking little coffees and gloomily watching footage of cars floating down streets all over France. And then I'd look at my phone and I'd get a picture of the dog sunbathing in Buckinghamshire. I think there is no justice in this world. I was camping as well for most of it, which did not improve the situation. And there were bits, you know times when I was cycling on my own, in the rain, with rain running down my helmet, onto, bouncing off my nose, onto my legs, and then a large truck full of sheep pigs, whatever, would come past and sort of spray me with something which may have been mud, may have been something else. Who knows? And I was thinking, "Why on earth am I doing this to myself?" Um, also, there were realities such as... Now, I didn't know this. France is the largest country in Western France. I'm sure everyone with a basic education knew this. I did not know this. Um, and I realized that because I do a weekly column, I didn't have as much time as I'd like. So I thought, I'll take some trains between the bits that you know don't need to detain me this time. You know, the Tour de France takes luxury coaches. I'll take trains. Um, I'm not going to make any jokes about France here, but there were rail strikes last summer. And when I say rail strikes, it was two days out of every week for almost the entire summer. And they announced the days in advance, but they didn't announce the trains that would be running until the night before. And in the north, maybe 40% of the trains are running. In the south, absolutely nothing was running. The only thing that was happening at the station were protests. So I ended up doing quite a lot of cycling that I didn't even intend to do, had no reason to be doing, in places that had nowhere to eat anything, let alone a sort of ending particularly gourmet. So I spent, you know, a few nights eating crisps donated by kind people at campsites and (laughs) sort of weeping into my phone. Um... But, you know, you're writing a book, the show must go on, you're there to entertain. Um, there were points when I'd written it up where my editor said to me, I think this is a bit of a downer, this bit. And I just thought, well, it's sort of hard to make something like that. You know, when you wake up on your birthday and um, you can't... <laughs> you just, you've been terrified all night because you're in an awful campsite on your own. It's sort of difficult to make light of that. Um, but Matthew Ford said to me, I did a talk with him about his... Vespa trips around Italy, and he said, um, you rely on other people, don't you, to bring your travels to life? And I thought, that's, that's actually very true. That's a good travel writing tip. Brings me to another point, which lots of people said to me before I went, aren't you scared of doing it on your own? And I thought, "Not. I wasn't any more than I would be in the UK, which is to say, not very much, because I believe most people are fundamentally quite nice. Um... And also, I'd read Dervla Murphy, who cycled from Dublin to Delhi in the 1960s with a gun under her pillow, and I thought, this is nothing, this is France. But I was worried about going to restaurants on my own, oddly, even though in Britain I have absolutely no problem going to a restaurant on my own. I always think, oh, it makes you look like a mysterious femme fatale. In France, I just thought it made me look a bit sad. But, of course, in France, because the the idea of eating well is taken seriously... Of course you would go out to eat. Just because you were on your own, that didn't make a difference. And so if I did get any funny looks being in full lycra, a woman on my own, I didn't see them. They were always very polite. Um, And I learned to not say, you know, just a table for one, please, when I went in, because they'd always say what do you mean, just one? And I just felt very told off. I said, gosh. Um, and that was lovely. And of course, in France also, in rural France particularly, there's that courtesy that everyone talks to you, so you can be innocently brushing your teeth in your pyjamas in the block sanitaire of a campsite, and an enormous hairy man will come up, also in his pyjamas, sort of, <laughs> and just say, you know, bonjour madame, bonjour to everyone, and you say bonjour, and then carry on. And so, you know, it's not quite as lonely, and I tried that when I came back to London, not in my pyjamas, I have to say. And I just, it didn't, got a bit of short shrift I have to say um and so I didn't really feel scared there was only that last time on the last night before my birthday where I felt a little bit worried but in general I you know people were just lovely all of the time um so that wasn't really really a problem for me the last point that people said which is the thing that worried me the most when I was planning this was hasn't it all been done before And I thought, well, as I said, I'm certainly not the first food writer to go around France finding delicious things to eat. Um, However, as far as I'm aware, I don't think that, for example, Ernest Hemingway visited the Apple Tapping Museum in the Loire Valley to admire their fine collection of apple-coring instruments through the ages. I'm not aware that James Martin had the pleasure of meeting the ceremonial ma- grandmaster of the Brotherhood of Brie de Meaux, who wears a special crushed velvet hat in the shape of a large brie and robes and has a sort of scepter-type thing. I don't think he had a private brie tasting with him. And I'm not aware, or I might be wrong about this, that Henry James ever paid a visit to a cabbage-fermenting factory in Alsace out of season and made any of his friends, if Henry James indeed had any friends, um, go round on a guided tour of this deserted cabbage cabbage fermenting factory. So I would say that in some senses I was uniquely qualified for this odyssey um, because I might not know everything about French architecture or history. Um, I certainly don't have any Michelin-starred chefs on my speed dial, sadly. Um, But... I am a woman who is prepared to eat an oyster the size of my head. And, in fact, I did. And other things that I ate gamely on the trip, and I ate really well in general, but um, the andouillette, which I'm sure some of you here will have tried, and some of you may even love, I actually did, after a few tries, learn to make my peace with the andouillette. although I have to say that (laughs) it's not my first order in a restaurant, but I persevere. Um, And... I just yeah I thought I will try absolutely everything and I just had an absolutely fantastic time so yeah I think that I'd answer my own question why did I do it because it was there and I really think that I'd had a unique journey so thank you very much